T.S. Brock, and thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Abundant Living Talk Show and Podcast. I'm so happy today to have my guest that has literally known me, I'll say, all of my life. The great thing about it is when people know you, they can see you from the time you've been young to the time that you're old, and they can tell you about yourself, y'all. So I would like to welcome to the Abundant Living Talk Show and Podcast, none other than Elder, how about that, Reverend, the one, the only, Ms. Clarice Jordan. I know her affectionately as Missy, but for professional purposes, Clarice Jordan, would you please help me welcome her to the show? Hey, hey, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. I'm so excited. I have your bio, but I always like for the guests to introduce themselves and tell the listeners who you are. So would you introduce yourself? Well, my name is Clarice Jordan. Um, I am a published author. I am a minister. I am an aunt. I am a sister. Um, I am HIV positive. I've been living with it for almost 40 years. Um, <laughs> I'm an advocate. That's pretty much all my hats. <laughs> I am just, I'm a community activist. Yes, yes. And uh, listen, the list continues. She ain't telling y'all she can sing and she can cook. Okay. That's a big thing. <laughs> 
She kept me in the tribe fed many a days when I only had the one baby and then when I had two babies. But she can also sing and preach, you guys. So definitely look out for those gifts as well. So you say that you're a published author. I want to get to the title of your book and why was it so important to write your book? Well, the title of my, my new book is Life After. It was important to me. Let me start by saying why I got into the writing thing. I um, started, I wrote a anthropology project with um, Loved Ones Publishing Company. And um, it was called Brutal Courage, the Remix. And so I wrote a chapter in that book and I just kind of told my story. Um, and I found it to be, to give me a, um, I guess, an extra layer of healing. Mm -hmm. um, I've been talking and sharing my story for years, but writing it, it was just, it was just freeing and it just gave me more healing. Yes. And so I was bit with the writer's bug then. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to give the HIV AIDS community a way of healing because a lot of times people in the HIV AIDS world, they don't share their stories. There's not many of us that share their stories. And they walk around with a lot of hurt and pain inside of them. And they don't, there's no way to release it. Give my writers a way to release and heal and get their stories out and do it in a way that protects their confidentiality and they don't have to deal with any stigma because all of my writers are anonymous. I am the only one that is out um, in the book. So you only see my name and I did that purposely because I wanted to protect my writers. And that's something that's really important, especially right now that you mentioned you used your writing for therapeutic purposes, for healing purposes. I always say that honesty can help your healing. And the fact that you've been an advocate for over 40 years, that's been amazing. That's been amazing. So that leads us into uh, the next question. What was your ultimate goal for telling this story? And I would even say, you know, becoming an advocate. Well, for telling, for telling my story, it was that I wanted to give a face to to eight. You know, because a lot of times people are just like, oh, it doesn't happen to me. It can't happen to me. You know, I only did it one time. It won't happen to me. You know, and I needed to let people know it can and will and it only takes one time. You know, you know some of my story. I was 16 when I got this. My first time ever being with a man that way mm -hmm. and I got it. So I wanted to give a face to the disease you know you know people think a lot of times that it's people you know people look emaciated and very sickly and you know skinny I, you know when I would go to the schools and speak they I say what, what, what does a person with HIV look like they say skinny dirty <laughs> crackhead <laughs> you know and so I go in there and I say okay well am I skinny well no I'm not I'm not dirty and I ain't Mr. Mill and I'm certainly not a crackhead but I am HIV positive and that would just floor them. So I, the reason for telling my story was that I wanted to give a face to the disease. And that was my way of saying that it wasn't going to happen again on my watch. If, if I could do something about it and what I could do is I could share. And that's so important that you say that too. We always label 
I've learned that people label things they don't understand. They label things that they may be afraid of or that they're ignorant, you know, of. A lot of times it's not that people want to be mean. They just don't know. They just don't know because, like you said, you know, media paints a picture, you know, conversations paint a picture. And when you are faced with that reality of, no, it actually looks like this or no, you can live and, you know, continue to live a healthy life, a prosperous life. You know, it changes that stigma. Now, walk right. me through the diagnosis. You said you were 16. I was 16 when I got it. I didn't find out that I had it. You know, and you know a lot of this story, <laughs> Tia. But um, I was 18 when I found out I had it. I had um, fallen in love, so I thought, with the... Uh, with, uh, I, I graduated from Westinghouse High School. My the guy that infected me was I was a graduate of Peabody High School. I, yep. Okay, so um, I met and fell in love with someone you know from Peabody High School who happened to be the uh, high school uh, captain of the football team in uh, 85, 86. and so we met and. Um, we dated for a while, and then he kind of started putting the heat on me, telling me, you know, well, if you love me, you'll, you'll be with me. And so, of course, I loved him, you know, and I grew up, you know, not really having the love of a father because my father was not in my life at that time. So I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. And so instead of, you know, at that time when he said, if you love me, you'll do something about it. I said, well... I, I love him, and if I want to keep him, then I have to do this. Mm -hmm. So I had unprotected sex with him. Right after that, about two years later after that, I found out that he was not faithful to me. Uh, he was uh, he was having unprotected sex with other females. He was having unprotected sex with men. He was sharing. He was using drugs. He was on crack. He was just doing a whole lot of stuff that I didn't have a clue on. And um, he tried to get in the service. And my brother was the Navy recruiter. And I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. No, you're good. My, brother was the, my brother was the Navy recruiter and he comes in to go and get tested. And, um, well, my brother wasn't the one that tested him. His, you know, the other recruiter tested him, but for some reason, my brother brought my picture in and it was of me and him at his high school prom. And the guy said to my brother, this is your sister. And this is his, this is her boyfriend. And he said, yeah, and so my the guy said, well, I need to show you something, man. And he showed my brother uh, his the, the, the paper that said that he could not get in the service because he was positive. And of mm. course, my brother was angry and he came right home and told And so for some reason, my mother was there. And so my mother, you know, they're all upset. And I get in from school. And um, my mother says, you need to go. I need to tell you something. You need to go get tested for HIV. I said, what are you talking about? Mm. <laughs> you know, what do you mean I'm going to go get tested for HIV? And so she said, look, I already know you've been having sex. You need to go get tested for HIV. He tested positive for HIV. He tried to get in the service and she ran all of that down to me. And I said that immediately in 89, it was still known as the gay white male disease. Mm-hmm. And 
I said, he is not gay and he's not white. He don't have no HIV. And so she said, look, just go get tested. And so before I, I called the doctor, but I called his sister. Mm. You know, a lot of times you get a lot of truth from that person's uh, sister. I about to say from the relative, people would call me. Right. <laughs> and I called his sister and his sister said, oh, he didn't tell you that he was positive. <laughs> and so... I went and got tested, and I was HIV positive. They told me I had gotten it when I was 16. By that time, I was 18. And my diagnosis has not always been easy. Um, you know, as you know, I was very, I was extremely sick. Um, I was, I faced death literally 12 times. Um, I've been in and out of the hospital over 300 times in, in, uh, in like a five-year time. Um, I was in the hospital so much that I was told, you know, you know, they would see me in the hallway. Hey, how you doing, Clarice? You're back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, nurses and stuff that weren't even my nurses and doctors. They knew me because that's how much I was in the hospital. You know, well, I, had, I was on oxygen. And and I uh, and, you know, you 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 were fortunate enough to see me at my worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, literally, you know, a step before death. Mm -hmm. But. You know, because of God's grace and mercy, I am still here, you know, 40 years later to tell about it. And that's so. such a blessing because, unfortunately, um, not everybody has that testimony. Not everybody was able to process the news like you process the news and continue to move forward. Um, oftentimes, when we're given, you know, a report or a diagnosis, it's up to you to want to do the work, you know, to want to go to the appointments, to be responsible um, so with, you know, just getting that news that when you were 16, a decision that you made changed your life and then 18 being aware of that decision, how has that road, this road so far been? Uh, I've had my good days and I've had my bad days. Um, I have to say it like that. Uh, it has not always been easy. And let me clarify, I'm here now, but I was not always this strong. Mm -hmm. And for several years, I didn't even tell anybody I had it. And I didn't want to talk about it at all. But, you know, there was a time that I was literally sitting at home waiting to die. And I, you know, just like I'm talking to you, a light bulb went off in my head as, as if to say, what are you doing? Why are you sitting here waiting to die? You got life to live. Mm. If HIV is going to kill you, then let it find you. Yes. You know? And so um, that is when I changed my mindset of it. You know, it was it was no longer going to be a secret. It was part of who I was. And I had to accept it and deal with it. And in that, then I started sharing it. Um. I can't tell you, I, I've dealt with stigma. I've dealt with stigma, you know, personally, you know, um, in my family, you know. Um, and I am a person that had just got to the point where, you know, I have been asked, you know, by, you know, people, why do you do that? Why do you tell your story? Aren't you embarrassed? No, I'm not embarrassed. It happened. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I had to get over the stigma that, not just people put on me, but what I put on myself. 
you know, as as a saved person and someone that grew up in the church, you know what it's like to grow up in the church. Oh, do I? And, <laughs> and it, they can be some judgmental people sometimes. They can be a lot. Some, some of them can be some judgmental people. And I, so I had to deal with that, you know, that stigma of shame, you know, but I had to realize that this was not a punishment. God wasn't punishing me, you know, for for uh, what we as church people say or sin, you know, sins of, you know, fornicating and all of that. That wasn't a punishment on me. Yes. God did not do this. He allowed it to be so, but he did not do it. Yes. So after I got over that stigma, uh, Tia, I don't, I don't, I don't tolerate it. People come to me and try to come, uh, do that now. And they will get told off very nicely. Amen. <laughs> because I know who I am. Definitely. And I know that this was something that God allowed for him to be glorified. Not, for me to be punished or to be in hiding. And I think that that's commendable. That's courageous because of the fact that I've learned through various circumstances and issues that I've gone through in life. It's not that you're the only one going through it. It's that you are the only one that has the strength to talk about it and bring exactly. it to light into the forefront. So exactly. unfortunately in the church, even you are not the only one that has tested HIV positive. It's the fact that you have been a voice for so many and you've chosen to allow your voice to bless, help, encourage, teach, because that's a big piece of it. Teach others to break exactly. up those misconceptions, those stigmas, you know, and those ideas that we have because we are not right. knowledgeable on many subjects. And this is right. one of them. This is one of and them. African-American uh, people, especially African-American women, you know, when I was infected, I was like one of the first ones to, as an African-American woman, that was being tested. There weren't a lot of us in 89 and in the, in the 80s. There weren't a lot of us because we felt like it didn't happen to us mm -hmm. or it couldn't happen to us because it was known as the gay white male disease. But here... You know, we have to deal with, you know, as African-American community, we there's a lot that we had to deal. We had to deal with the fact that women, we were tested positive, not just women, but African-American men were being tested and positive and living with it because they were gay. That's something in the in, in, in African-American community we don't deal with. Definitely. We don't deal with. We don't want to talk about people it. being gay, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, like I tell people. When you have a gay man that comes before he comes out because of just how we made it in the African American community, you may have four women that he he's been with mm -hmm. that may have been affected before he has before he has owned his truth. Mm -hmm. So that's how we're getting affected. You know, the, it, you know, people talk about the download stuff. The download been around for a long time. The download was in the Bible. Come on, I was about to say, <laughs> there's nothing new. There's nothing new. Right, and so. I just, I felt like it was my, my, uh, I needed to let people know what a person with HIV looks like. And I needed to stand in my truth to help people. And for me, it, it, I turned it in. This was my legacy. I felt like this was going to be my legacy to the world. I wasn't just going to leave here and people wasn't going to know that I ever existed. I was ever, you know, that I was never on this earth. I was going I was going to have a voice in this world. You know, and so that's that was the reason why I started all of this speaking stuff because I was like, listen, if I do that, people going to know that Clarice Jordan was here. <laughs> you know, 
And so <laughs> it leaves your stamp, it leaves your mark. And then it not only that, it helps deliver and encourage again, encourage other people. Right. And that gets us to and you you answer the question of, you know, why is the community based worse work, excuse me, so important? The work that we do, sometimes we can allow ourselves to wallow or to have a pity party. But like you said, a lot of times is so that not only can God get the glory, but so we can help somebody else. If we're not selfish, if we're not selfish, right. because you could have kept it to yourself. You could have uh, dealt with your diagnosis in silence. You could have chosen not to publish one word of your story. But by opening right. up, you know, being transparent, being authentic, because since I've known you, the fact that you wouldn't mind sharing um, I remember when I first heard you tell your testimony, I'm like, what? Because I, too, had the idea of, oh, my God, you know, you're going to have to stay in the hospital or you can't live a full life. And you do just that. You know, you do. You you always exceed my expectations because you're always doing something. You know, you're now a published author. You're always, even with the holidays, I, that really encouraged me to just see, you know, that you were baking and that you were, you know, pouring love on your family. And there's so much that you've done. And I know I haven't known you all your life, but you've known me all my life. But there's so much that you've done, you know, from the time that even we were singing in the group together um, and how we would have to pray because you were so sick. So to see you now and how you're just crushing these milestones is just so amazing it's so amazing listen to you i think about the times that we were singing in the group and uh some of the people if some of the people from the group were listening your grandmother i remember that day that your grandmother i guess your grandmother said enough of this uh -huh. this girl is getting healed yes and you talk about pray listen she prayed for me and prayed and prayed and prayed and then pray some more. Yes. And um, she is, you know, she that was one of the, your grandmother was the sweetest person. Yes. And um, she just held on to the, the horns of the altar for me. And uh, she was not letting go. She had, she had decided. She didn't take no for an answer. I, even if I wanted to die, she had decided you weren't going anywhere. She didn't take no for an answer. She didn't. I remember you'd have to come on oxygen, but you were still there singing. And you were faithful. And I think that a lot of times, you know, even though we may not like the things that we're going through, God allows certain tests so he can see how faithful we're going to be. So he can see how we're going to be a blessing to somebody else. So he can see how we're going to deal with hardship, you know. And this um, this uh, segment is actually called Tested But Triumphant because honestly, you've been triumphant. You know, other things might have taken somebody else out. And God knows what cup we are all able to bear. And you've done it wow. gracefully. I haven't heard you comp complain. I'm not saying that you don't get those moments where you, you know, complain and fuss. Because I get those moments frequently, especially um, now during this pandemic. But you've always handled it gracefully. You've never been, you know, mean and nasty when I've seen you in public or in person. I've never seen you, you know you know, where your emotions or what you're going through on your face or on your sleeve. And I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Wow. I mean, cause there have been days that I think, I think I tell people all the time, especially when I, when I, um, when I'm mentoring a newly diagnosed person, 
um, I tell people, allow yourself. There are going to be days that you, you just wake up and you are just having one of those days. You're mm-hmm. having, you know, you need a moment, you know, to cry. I tell people, allow yourself the day to grieve mm. the life that you wanted to have or the life that you feel you should have had. Allow yourself that day. And I tell people, listen, have the pity party, eat the cake, wear the hat, blow the horn, do all of that. And then when you go to bed that night, you make up when you wake you make up in your mind when you wake up. If God allows you to wake up, the next day the fight is on. Mm. You know, and I don't have time to be having no pity party. I got life to live. I know that's you know? right. And so I just don't you know, even allow that, you know, those those days, I, those are few and far in between now. Um, because I am clear of my assignment. You know, they have this thing on Facebook. She understood the assignment. I understand my assignment. Yes. You know, and I'm clear of it. You know, this was not, this assignment was given to me because God knew he, could, he would be glorified and that I was not going to be embarrassed to stand and tell the story that I am HIV positive. And walk proudly in it. Mm. I love that. So, you understood the assignment. I love that. So I would I like to start to our close. Um, so with all the work that you're doing and how vocal you are about, you know, your diagnosis, your journey so far, um, you know, now writing and publishing your first book, who is your inspiration? Wow. There are, I've had several people in my life to inspire me. Um, one is my grandmother, my grandmother, Claritha Haywood. She was a strong black woman and she didn't let anything stop her. So that is one person that has inspired me all of my life. My mother, my mother is another strong black woman that she doesn't let things stop her. A lot of times we say, mommy, you know, you have so-and-so and so, and she's a person that she won't even speak with. You know, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. No, nope, I don't have that. You know, and and she feels that if she says it, it it's not so. It, you know, if she doesn't say it, it's not so. Mm-hmm. So, but she's a strong black woman. My pastor now. You know, God has allowed me to, at every stage in my life, to have strong black women to be there for me, but to hold me accountable. My pastor is one. Pastor Myrna Hollenbach, she don't take no mess off of me. <laughs> off of me. You know, she just, she's one that, look, whether it's, you know, she's going to always introduce you to God and lead you to God. But there are sometimes, there have been times where I didn't want to take my medicine, believe it or not, or I just didn't want to do this anymore. And she was just like, look, you know what? Don't make me have to come over there and slap you. You know, get yourself together. You know what you got to do, you know. And I appreciate those type of women. Your grandmother, women that have just, when I felt like letting go, because there have been days that I wanted to, wouldn't let me. So <laughs> I, I guess I can't point, point, pinpoint one um, person that has inspired me because there have been so many. Well, it says it takes a village, and I feel the same way. There's so many women who, like you said, that big word that we always, we don't always want to hear it, but hold us accountable accountability is love accountability is love um and somebody that can call you out 
again, have your pity party, but get it together. <laughs> you know, feel right? Bad. And don't mind calling you out, and don't mind, you know, and don't care some... if you get upset that they call. No, out. how about that? You be all right. <laughs> you know, we won't speak for a couple. You know, she won't. You know, because I know I'm a person. I get mad. I stop calling, and I don't want nothing to do with you. And they, or whatever. Right. You'll be here. I'll be here when you come back. Right. Get over it. <laughs> you know. So, um, I just want to ask too, what are some helpful tools that you can just suggest? Um, I know that yearly we do a health clinic. I'm sure that's not enough. Um, but what are some things that you would just suggest as far as, uh, STD testing, um, and getting tested? Because I know a lot of people sometimes don't want to because they're afraid, but what are some things that you can just suggest as far as get tested? Get tested. If you know that you are having unprotected sex, you should be tested. I'm going to say at least every six months for not just HIV, but STDs in general. Um, and then the the best thing you do is just abstinence. Mm-hmm. Start there. If you don't do it, you won't get nothing. Yes. You know, but or and if you're going to do it, you know, because, hey, well, I didn't been there. I'm 16, 17. You know, I listen. <laughs> your hormones go to rage and your hormones go to rage. And so, you know, but use protection. A condom will protect you from so many things. Yes. You know, and I know people, I know, you know, people in the church world will say, oh, my gosh, she's only talking about condoms. Listen, I'm a, I'm a quote how my pastor says it. My pastor said the Lord told her, you concentrate on saving their life, their flesh, and I will save their soul. Wow. So my, my goal is to save a person's life. And guess what? Just a little latex condom can save you from a lot of heartache. heartache. Listen, I remember we went to one church and they actually had condoms when you first came in. And so we went as a group to support and a couple of people said, oh, my God, I can't believe I would rather I would much rather, you know, share the helpful tools, you know, give that helping hand. Um, even when we do our health fair, we have a booth for a, um, HIV STD testing. We have blood pressure screenings because you can't act like things aren't going on. You know, you exactly. can't act like people aren't having sex. People are having sex. <laughs> people are having sex frequently. And this has been done since the beginning of time. But if you're going to have sex, protect yourself and check yourself. Listen, and let me just put it out there. And we're having sex in the church. Whether or not we want to admit it, that's why there's so many little church people. <laughs> okay? Because we are having plenty of sex. <laughs> okay? And <laughs> Listen, and so, you know, I'm saved. It doesn't mean that my child is saved. You know, we think, you know, that because we're saved and we're sanctified, we're Holy Ghost filled, but your child is out there doing some stuff that you don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. So you got to be educated. You either. So I, I love, again, just eliminating so many stigmas. It doesn't mean that God hates you. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person, but it's that you're not going to allow, you know, the wool to be pulled over your eyes or to live like, oh, okay, nothing's going on. We live in a perfect world. No, get tested, get tested, get tested. Get I can't tested. say that enough. Um, when I was young women and I tell them because you know I was a teen mom I was a single mom I had both babies um by 21 um both of my daughters and I tell people all the time I got tested frequently and a couple times my partners will be upset like why are you getting tested we only been together child I thank you for that but I don't know that 
you know, so I do it for my own health. Ladies, gentlemen, you are in charge of your own health. Make sure you are taking that into consideration. When you go to the doctor, it doesn't take but a couple moments to ask for STD testing. It's not painful. I promise you, you will live. Um, But you also have your status and that's what you need. Know your status. Know your status. You know, and I think that's one of the things that saved me because I found out my status early. Yes. You know, two years into it, but I found out my status early. So I was able to put, you know, to get on medication and stuff. Um, And a lot of times there's a lot of people that, you know, I mentor that when they find out they have it, they already have AIDS. You know, and so, yes, you can you can go on medicine and stuff, but knowing your status, the sooner you know, the sooner you can do something about it. So I am all for testing, you know. And we're also going to post some information Um, When we post the live uh, interview of this, we're going to post the links where you can get tested and also information on HIV and other STDs, because I believe that that's important. Um, I want to wrap up. I'm so happy, of course, to always talk to you. You know, we stay on the phone forever. But tell us about The Road Ahead and then where listeners can purchase your books. The road ahead for me. <laughs> well, right now I am in school. I am in college. I am going to school for to become a um, psychologist. Yes. I am getting ready to start a nonprofit. Life After has kind of, the Lord has turned it into so much more than a book. Now it is going to be a 501c3 soon. Nonprofit. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> where, you know, I will be able to, you know, really help people living with HIV. Um, we'll be doing more books. There will be more series of life after um, you will see life after in conferences and, <laughs> you know, workshops. Yes. Um, the, the future is just it's, it's big. It's, it's a whole lot bigger than what I ever thought. But um, where you can buy the book is it is on Amazon right now. Um, you can buy the book by just going to Amazon and putting life after by author Clarice Jordan, Clarice A. Jordan. And you will see the book. Um, I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. You know, it is a, it, it's stories of survival, you know, and um, courageous people that are sharing their stories. Yes. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And we're definitely going to post that link as well. So you guys can get a copy or copies for yourself, your friends, your network. Share the story because it's very important It's very prevalent, and even though we don't always discuss it, it's happening, guys. So you want to make sure to support the life after, I would even say movement, because I know that you're going to do amazing things with the book and with everything else that you plan to do because of sharing and telling your story. Um, Right, and let me put this out here for people so they know this project, none of this money is coming to me. It is all being donated to aid service organizations. Um, And so we right now we have picked the Elton John AIDS Foundation because it is a foundation that does not get money from the government. That's amazing. I didn't know that. So um, the Elton John AIDS Foundation helps small organizations who are doing HIV AIDS work. So this money, all of the proceeds for this book. So that's even more of a reason to go and support all of the proceeds for life after any series you see. 
you know, even the ones that are be coming out, all of this money is being donated. None of this money is coming back. To That's amazing. The service organizations. That is amazing. Wow. You know, you sometimes hear a portion of the proceeds, but for all of the proceeds to go to, and I'm sure that helps with research as well. Um, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then lastly, I want to say, um, I've enjoyed our conversation as well. I've enjoyed the fact that you've opened up and shared your story with me, but how can our listeners get in touch with you? Where can they, you know, follow you, see you, hear you? What are some ways they can get in touch with you? I'm still old fashioned phone call, (laughs) you know, um, I still take phone calls. Um, Ted can put you, you know, link my number. But also you can reach me, you know, by my uh, my web address is jordan.clarice at yahoo.com. You can reach me on Facebook, Messenger. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm me. Yes, yes. You can reach me. Well, we'll I'm not untouchable. <laughs> we'll post all of these links as well. I want to thank you for sharing your story, um, publishing your story, and then just taking time to talk with me on Abundant Living talk show and podcast. Tested, but triumphant. I am so excited. I'm so excited to read the book myself and then just share it with my network as well. And for those of you that are listening, this has been another episode of Abundant Living talk show and podcast. And if somebody asks you how you're living and you don't say abundantly, You might want to change that. Until next time, I am Latia S. Brock, now signing out with my guest, Clarice Jordan. Make sure you follow her and definitely read her story. Till next time, goodbye. Thanks so much again for listening. And the takeaway from this is that you can always know your status. Reach out to your primary care physician, a health clinic, or wherever STD tests are being performed. Get tested. It doesn't cost you anything. The more you know, it may save your life.